never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Hello there, and welcome to Mark My Words. I am Mark Schmidt, and I talk to entrepreneurs and business owners about their career transitions, their crossroads, their paths, and what led them to the passion that they have today. And speaking of today, I have a really great guest who studied nursing, was a nurse for many years, and out of that became an entrepreneur and is now an owner of a company called Your Healthcare Nurse Advocates. She also has a great podcast called Health Chats Among Friends, which is really great. And that is Deidre Kindred. Welcome to the show today, Deidre. How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being patient with me as I rushed home from work and got my act together. Traffic was terrible today, so I just squeezed everything in. Oh, I hear you. I understand. (laughs) Well, hey, you're living a good life now since I'm guessing you don't even have to fight traffic anymore, huh? Oh, no. (laughs) No. I still fight traffic. I still have a J-O-B, but I'm able to work my business around my J-O-B instead of working my J-O-B. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a balance, so to speak. So not to put the cart before the horse here and go out <laughs> of order, but going by your LinkedIn profile, so is your uh, legal shield job the, the job and your nurse health advocates the side hustle or is it the opposite or are they both on the same general plane with each other? No, they're not on the same plane. So Legal Shield is another business that I have, and Legal Shield has helped me with that business to be able to fund this business, which is definitely number one. Fair enough. I mean, (laughs) my, my day job, which is not an actual business that I own, it's just a regular job, I mean, really, it's not a regular job at all, but it's a nine-to-five job, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Yes. But that helps fund the fact that I can continue to do anything at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I still have a job, too. So I have two businesses, and then I have a job. So I still nurse. Uh, I do home health nursing. But, yes. Okay. <laughs> so okay, multiple so you- streams of income. Okay. So let me go back to the beginning now that we got all that out of the way and talk a little bit about 
what inspired you to become a nurse? Did you always know that you wanted to do that? No. So there's a story with that. <laughs> I never wanted to be a nurse. I never woke up or dreamed or thought about or craved or inspired. None of that. I never thought about being a nurse. So I grew up in a um, single parent home. My mother was a entrepreneur at heart, but also a motivator. And she encouraged us to go to college, get a great career, but also have your plan A, B, and C. And so watching her inspired me to be an entrepreneur. That's why I tell people entrepreneurship is in my DNA because she never had all her eggs in one basket. It was always something. And um, so she inspired me to be on the path that I am. So I've always had businesses in addition to jobs. But um, my story with nursing was I graduated from high school and I thought I wanted to be a CPA. So no offense to any CPAs out there. It was boring for me. It, it was not my cup of tea. So um, in college, I started skipping class and just kind of playing around. And then I had my son and I told myself, I said, now it's time to get serious. So a single parent, I started going to school to get my, ma uh, my master's in uh, physical therapy. And so I was working, raising my son, going to school. And you also had to, at that time, you had to volunteer at like a, a physical therapy rehab just to get some recommendations from other physical therapists who were already working in the field. It was a good way of testing to see if you really were, you know, cut out for that field. So um, volunteering, working, raising my son, going to school. And um, when I was volunteering at the rehab, one of the patients told me one day, he said, oh, your hands are so gentle, you'll make a good nurse. I'm like, I'm not gonna be no stinking nurse. I don't wanna be no nurse. That's not for me. You know, I'm 20 years old. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know everything, right? The older people don't know anything. I'm gonna show them. <laughs> um, that's the attitude, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so I'm going along and six months later, the therapist tells me, he said, go over there and explain, you know, these discharge instructions to the patient. So I'm going over there and I'm explaining the discharge instructions and the patient, a different one says, you make a great nurse. You explain that very well. I'm like, I'm not going to be no stinking nurse. I'm going to be a physical therapist. So final straw was I was at home and I remember this so vividly, it was about 7.30, 8.30 at night. I was writing a paper for a class and I don't know what class it was, but I put my son down to bed and I get a phone call. And he says, this is Governor Jackson from Texas Women's University. And I was looking at your transcript and I was wondering if you would change your major from kinesiology to nursing and we will pay for you to go to nursing school. All you have to do is write a 750 word essay, what education means to you and have it in my office in the morning. Boom. Okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So I wrote that essay and I received the Mary I. Gorley scholarship and it paid for my nursing school. And since then, the ball has kind of rolled and rolled and I won't see myself doing anything else but nursing. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the universe just puts us where we need to be. And right. it sounds like 
the universe letter was through somebody actually telling you or judging you by your hands or whatever it was, just kept telling you, Deidre, you, you need to be a nurse. This is where you need yeah. to be. Yeah, we have to listen to our world we live in, right? You get all kinds of signs. And looking back on my career from that point that I said I was going to go switch my major to nursing school, you know, just got different certifications and different things that happened in my life that led up to where I am today. Right. And, you know, I feel whether you are a nurse and you have like a straight path and you go to school and you do all the things you've done, or you're like me who has like 20 billion different things they wanted to do and try them and then wound up in the field I'm in and now doing that plus this, it all leads you to somewhere whether it makes sense to you or not. This is something I was just thinking about recently. And I was like, you know, everything just leads you to wherever you're going. It's, uh, it, it would take a lot more time to philosophize over that. That's during... another podcast, right? That, that's for another, <laughs> I need to start another podcast if I'm going to do that. But yeah, I, it's amazing to me how it all comes together in your life. It eventually, I mean, we're on a journey. It never ends. But the pieces to certain aspects of your life, they come together and it does fill in the blanks Mm -hmm. as you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that I just listened to on my way home was your podcast. And you had a guest who talked about nursing school and talked about just how many people actually wind up not finishing nursing Mm. school. I think they said, didn't they say two thirds of people don't actually finish? Yes. Nursing school is not like regular college. Uh, You know, it's not like any other Oh, goodness, I don't know how I want to put it. It, it was brutal. Let me just put it that way. Um, just bluntly put it that way. I remember in my anatomy and physiology class, the instructor came in and said, look to your left, look to your right. Half of you won't be here by the end of the semester. And it was right. Wow. They have to weed out because it's necessary, unfortunately, because it's not meant for everyone. And um, it takes a different type of person to be a nurse uh, and continue. You have to go in it not for the money, but it's an, it's another reason, you know. Um, and I ended up finding that out later on once I got into it. It's like I I won't do anything else. What do you think it takes to be a nurse? Compassion, consideration kindness, understanding, tenacity, want to be a student forever, loving people, you know, loving learning, um, wanting to help. I could go on. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. I was a patient many times growing up, and 
as a patient, I feel like I know what I, I won't say I know what it takes to be a nurse, but I definitely know what I like in a nurse, which is mm-hmm. somebody who is going to come into the room and be upbeat, somebody who's going to be empathetic, somebody who is going to be attentive, somebody who's going to be in tune with my needs, and you point your finger right at me. Right right there, right there. I could tell you so many stories. I no longer work in the hospital. I haven't been in the hospital since 2016 because my um, businesses and things like that have have superseded, you know, being there, but I'm helping in a different way. But at the same time, it does take that insightful, being in tune with the person that you're caring for to see those little subtle signs and it takes listening to what they're saying or not saying watching body language watching different things how they interact and uh, just being very insightful right and I mean as a patient I mean it wasn't too long ago that my wife was in the hospital and Again, that got me thinking about it because we had a nurse at that point who, you know, just kind of felt a little bit cold and wasn't really coming across in a way. I mean, everybody's different. And I think if you make it that far, there is a level of care within you. So, but I, I feel like it really goes a long way when that's like projected and the patient Mm -hmm. can see that and they're in tune, like at least make you feel like they're in tune and empathize. And to me as a patient, like a billion times over, plus uh, going in a few times with my wife, it really made me think, and I feel like that, at least for me, is Mm -hmm. something that really matters that's huge. It's, it's really huge. And there's so many sides. That's another podcast. There's so many sides to right. that story because you got some good nurses who the hospital systems they work for beat them down, beat them down. And it reflects into the patient care, unfortunately. But that's also when you get a nurse who works for a great hospital system and they value those nurses, it's, it's a different type of care. I guarantee you. And when you work for a hospital system that's just beating you down and beating you down, it's only so much as a human being that some of these nurses can take. And it gets to be a point is you just care about the dollar sign. You're not caring about the nurses. You're not caring about the patients. You're not caring about any of the staff that work with the nurses. It can be very bad. I'm getting PTSD a little bit here. (laughs) Didn't mean to bring that on. But, you know, my heart goes out to some of these nurses, and I'm not going to mention some hospital systems, but they got a long way to go. And, and it's, it's a nursing shortage, but it's also a shortage of nurses who want to work in certain systems. Why do you think there is a nursing shortage? Is it due to how many people drop out of nursing school? Is it people willing to actually do it? Is it just finding those that can make the cut? What do you think it is? I think it's a conglomerate of things, but mostly I blame hospital systems 
and administration for how they treat nurses. I really do. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bad. And then, you know, if you keep on mistreating the nurses, which are the foundation of any hospital system, you're, it's always going to be a nursing shortage because they're going to get in there and then you're mistreated and used so much and disrespected so much, but not by just by the staff and administration, but by fellow nurses. It's bad. That's a, and then, you know, sometimes when you don't have that support, when you don't think you as a human being can go to your hospital administration, they're not listening to you about patient concerns. They're not listening to you about different things. And nurses are human beings too. And that's one of the main reasons I started the podcast is because healthcare professionals, they're not thought as human beings. And so the whole podcast, the reason that I want people to see the person behind the mask or the person behind the stethoscope. Now, is this what influenced you to also start your healthcare nurse advocates? Well, yes and no. Um, part of the reason I started the healthcare nurse advocates was because when I worked in the hospital and the ICUs, you come in, you have an issue. Like say you're going to have a heart cath or bypass surgery. Well, we really don't delve into what else has been going on in your world? We don't talk to your existing physicians out in the world, so to speak, quote unquote. You're gonna get a different group of physicians in the hospital. You're gonna get an internal medicine doctor. You're gonna get other doctors that have no clue what your other existing doctors have been doing for you, nor do they ask. They don't have the time, first of all. They don't have the time to follow up with your primary care physician and say, hey, Mark has been on this medication for years we're gonna continue it. No, sometimes we discontinue it and it could be a world of mess, right? And so people are leaving confused and then they're coming right back into the hospital system because they don't understand how to navigate their care. And that's part B was when my mother turned about 52, she started having these symptoms of tremors and difficulty swallowing, a little bit of memory things and pain and, uh, just all different type of things. So it was one of two things or two of two things, which it ended up to be. It was MS, but they said she was too old for MS or Parkinson's. They said she was too young for Parkinson's. So it was back and forth going to get off of work, go pick mom up, get her tooth doctor, go through the procedure, get her back and still like, okay, well, we're still doing these tests. And that was like an 18 month journey. So I have two sisters, one's a nurse and the other one, she works like in uh, auditing, insurance auditing, but it was coordinating her care. So I got to see on the other side of the, of the stethoscope, right? I got to feel that frustration of, okay, can you take mom? No, I can't get off of work. Well, can you take mom? No, my son has basketball practice. Well, can you take mom? Well, I can take her, but I really don't understand what they're saying. So I thought about the layperson. What if they don't have no clue about medicines or how to talk to the doctors or what to, you know, how to navigate? Mom had five doctors, so she ended up being diagnosed with MS, Parkinson's. She already had asthma, 
we're doing seasonal allergy changes. We would have to go get her from her home, pick her up, take her to the doctor, wait on the doctor. Doctor comes in for his five, five minutes or so. He's out. Nurse comes in, gives her an injection, and we got to wait. So that's about three and a half hours out of your day. And if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner or you have a job or you have children or a husband, that's no work-life balance. So she also had, okay, so I mentioned Parkinson's, MS, asthma, and she had colon cancer. So that's five physicians who didn't talk to each other unless I was at the doctor's visit because I could say, oh, you want to try this medication. I don't think that medication is going to work because of these side effects. We've already tried that. Why don't we try this? A layperson is not going to know that. So I said, what, what if there was a service out here that can help people decrease their stress, decrease their frustration, increase their understanding when navigating the healthcare system for themselves or for their loved one? What's next? Nobody in healthcare is doing that unless you're, unless you're a patient advocate. So that's when I came up with the idea of what if I could do that? What if I could go to the doctor's visit with your mother or father? You stay at work. I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whoever you want in your, um, to know about your health care or to be involved in your health care, I can fill the gaps. So you're like a liaison for anybody who is looking to go to the hospital and needs that care. And maybe they have, as you described, a loved one who needs to be at work, you're just the liaison between them and the healthcare provider, whether it's the right. hospital. And you said that there are very little to know. I mean, you basically said there is no other thing like this out there. No. Ever. There are other advocates. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there are other advocates. So what I ended up finding out is so funny when you... Um, come up with um, an idea and you think it's the only one out there. So there are other patient advocates out here that ended up, God ended up sending me these other resources. There's a society called the Alliance of Professional Health Advocates. So you don't have to be a nurse to be an advocate. So there are patient advocates, not many, but it's growing. It's a growing industry. So there are patient advocates who will help you navigate Medicare, not sell Medicaid, care but help you navigate Medicare. If your insurance company um, denies a claim, there are advocates that help you, you know, try to help you, how do you fight for that? There are advocates who help you look at your hospital billing, you know, if you think you were billed incorrectly or, you know, how do you, you know, get approval for your insurance company. And there are also advocates like myself who help you navigate the healthcare maze. And my cutting edge, my niche is that we are nurses but we're specialty nurses. So meaning that, don't call me, I don't know nothing about no birth and no babies. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know another advocate who that's her specialty is woman's wellness. So that's the advocate you will want. So if someone's looking for an advocate, make sure you vet your advocate. Make sure you find out what their expertise is. So when I looked at your history, I think on LinkedIn, it sounded like you were really involved with like uh, heart care and a lot of like emergency situations. Is that what you advocate for in your position? 
Well, you know what I find out is that my my strong point is cardiovascular, pulmonary, and renal. So I always would joke people, heart, lungs, and kidneys, and a little bit of Alzheimer's, um, you know, if you have a loved one with Alzheimer's. So those are my uh, points where I feel very comfortable. But what I found is that I'm continuously learning because some of my clients don't have heart issues. They have other issues. And that helps me grow and learn as I help them. But also it's about resources, finding the right resources for them, knowing that, okay, I, I, that's not my specialty. Medicare is not my specialty, but I do know people who are well-versed in Medicare, just vice versa. They're not versed in what I know. So it's all about sharing those resources. So one thing I was wondering, was it your choice to put yourself in situations where I mean, you're dealing with some pretty serious issues as a nurse, you know, all those situations. Did you volunteer to be in that situation? Did that just happen? How did that work out for you? You know, it's all about me getting a phone call or referral and then talking with that person. And as I'm talking with them and hearing their story, then I'm in my mind, it's just kind of like ticking, like, okay, I can help them this way, I can help them this way, I can refer them this way, I can refer that way, but mainly, you know, they do need my services. So I don't really seek, you know, the, the particular client and say, oh, no, I'm just going to take this client. It's about calming. And if I can't help you, I probably know someone who can, and I can refer you to that resource. So you mentioned earlier that entrepreneurship was in your blood and it was something that your mom did. Once you became a nurse, once you got through school, graduate, did you ever think that you would someday wind up becoming an entrepreneur? Well, what happened was <laughs> when I became a nurse, um, as I was nursing, I've had a CPR business on the side for fun. I uh, talk CPR to doctor's office and dentist offices or anyone who, oops, my CPR has lapsed. So that was a business that I had. I had another business for fun where I was a travel agent with my sister. And that was just like fun money, you know. Um, uh, and I love traveling, love it. <laughs> but for me, that's not my purpose. Um, this right here is my purpose. And then I had another business where I opened up a um, residential care home and I had another business. <laughs> so I've always had, uh, like after nursing school, it's just so funny and just these opportunities and it's like, okay, I'll do that, you know, make a little income and until I found this, here with the healthcare nurse advocates. So what does it take to start a business like this one? Is it similar to other LLCs and entrepreneurial uh, ventures or did you find it to be different from the norm, whatever the norm might be? Well, 
That's a great question. So the only thing that I found different, um, you still need to establish your foundation. You still need to speak with business advisors and attorneys and, and people who will get you the resources to build that foundation. Uh, the only difference that I've noticed, because I've also networked quite a bit in the business world, not related to healthcare, the networking is different. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, in the healthcare world, it's about who do you know? What are their credentials? What are their qualifications? Have you used them before? What do you think about them? How long have they been in business? You know, things like that. What, what's behind their name? What's their expertise? Whereas in the business world, you can go and Google somebody or, you know, Look, digital is much easier in the business world. In the healthcare world, you got a whole lot of people out here that don't have access to digital. You have millions of people out here that don't, don't want to use the internet. So how do you reach those? And also in the healthcare world, it is more emphasis, that's the word I'm looking for, emphasis on relationship building. Because I guarantee you, I will not refer any of my clients to some doctor or physical therapist or occupational therapist or company that I don't know nothing about. So I'm going to research you very, very well. So it's a big difference. Big difference. Wow. So it really is very involved as far as like, not only do you have, because everybody's reliant on the internet and yeah we all need a network but you need to go to kind of a different level in order mm -hmm. to run a business mm -hmm. like this successfully right because think about it <clears throat> like let's say you have a cleaners for your clothes and you have a home health company you don't want just any home health company now you may try to clean yourself closest to you but if the home health company is closest to you, they got a bad reputation, people are rude, they don't have any educational platform, you know, you get anybody in there, you don't want them. So you want to make sure that they are vetted, that they are insured, they're bonded, you know, what's their education level, what's their experience, what are the other patients saying about them, does the doctor even know about them, so it's, 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 a, it's a big difference. And I'm so glad you asked that question because I've been wanting to explain this forever because uh, I have networked in the business where I was a One Million Cups uh, organizer for three years. So I met a lot of business owners working with Legal Shell where I did the, I was a business solutions agent and I still am where I help you get access to a law firm to get your LLC, your S Corp, your C Corp, ask attorneys about business related issues about your business. But the healthcare world is different. So speaking of being different, do you now we know that you're obviously the owner of company. Do you have a staff under you that you kinda work off of and they, you know, do the same kind of activities, you know, just the advocacy or is it just you? Right now it's just me and I do have a um, senior, um, certified senior advisor that we kind of um, 
subcontract. That's right. Subcontract with each other. So if our clientele gets too strenuous, but the vision is and will happen for me to have nurses on board who are specialty nurses. So I do have a couple that are kind of like on standby. We got to get those clients that meet that, you know, match up with that need. So yes, that is the vision. I want to help nurses learn that you too can be in control of your life. You too can be in control of your career because you're the one who blood, sweat, and tears, sat in nursing school and paid for nursing school. And to depend, yeah, I'm going to say it, to depend on a hospital system to tell you when, where, how, and why, when you are the power that that hospital system needs. Okay. So <laughs> they're very passionate about that because so many nurses are like, oh, well, the hospital don't do this. And the hospital won't do that. They won't let me do this. They won't let me do that. You are in control of your journey as far as your nursing career. You can take it by the reins and you can lead the way. Hospital needs you more than you need them. I guarantee. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that because without the nurses, how do they run the hospital, I mean, they really are the lifeline. They're the ones who, mm-hmm. you know, give the patients that care, that reassurance, that just that caring mm-hmm. that right. patients need in those right. moments. Because nobody really wants to go to the hospital. No, I have never met sad. anybody who said, I can't wait to go to the hospital. I know, right? <laughs> but I can tell you this, it was, it was, a, I can count on one hand of a hospital system that I worked for and I was like, oh yes, they really care in the beginning. But anyway, uh, they really care about the staff. They really have some implements in place. And I, I slowly over the years saw that fading away and I saw nursing morale go down and then the turnover is extreme and, and they wonder why. Right. So let me ask you this question. So you have all this stuff going on. I'm so glad that you at least have some kind of support because what you're doing, I'm sure, is very stressful. You have so much going on. And you got in your head like, eh, you know, it's just another day in the life. I, I don't know, it, <laughs> but it takes a special person. That's why I'm not doing it, and you are, because I'm not that person. But what do you do to unwind and relax and just get away from all the stress and all the stuff going on in your life? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Mark, it took me a long time to... Um, realize that that needed to be done. And the, whew, that's a journey. Um, so to answer that question, I get accountability partners that are just as much workaholics as I am. And we try to hold each other accountable. So like on Sundays, I did this about a year ago, no work on Sundays, no work on Sunday. So I tell people, pick a day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It could be whatever day you need because you do need that regeneration period. So I try my hardest not to do, I go to church and I just try to watch something silly on television or whatever, or color or force myself to take a nap or whatever. I'm still struggling. (laughs) 
but uh, you have to because you can't give from an empty cup. So in order to give your best, you got to be your best and you got to regenerate. You can only take so much. And um, so I have a great accountability partner, which is my sister. She's just as much a workaholic. And um, we try to do that and we love vacationing. So anytime we can, you know, get in the car and go somewhere and force ourselves not to work, we try, but we do is take our laptops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand that because even with my schedule being what it is, and I have a lot of days where I'll come home, I don't even have time to think about checking work email, but right. there are just as many days where I do take five, 10 minutes out and check. It just becomes a part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to. Uh, entrepreneurship is hard, uh, but I love it. Um, I was once told, uh, you work harder for yourself than you do for anybody else. And I was like, that's right. I do. I love it. <laughs> And, you know, the one thing that I hear from entrepreneurs a lot is that they're working harder now as an entrepreneur and putting more hours in than they might have when they had a corporate job or a nine-to-five job. And I know just from the little bits and pieces of time that I have worked for myself, whether it was as a writer or for this podcast, it becomes very easy to put all that time, like a day can just blow yeah. by so fast. And I can only imagine that it's very much that way with what you specialize in. But I love it. I, I, I love it. That's why I say I know this is my purpose. Um, everybody has a purpose and a place. I do believe that. And like you were talking about earlier about the universe giving you signs. And I also want to say this. If you go in some, into something because it's going to make you a lot of money, that's your only reason. That's not good enough. You have to go into something that you know you feel like there is a need there is something bigger than yourself. That's what keeps you going because if you go into something that for the money that you're gonna make and you don't, you have a bad week or a bad month or a bad season or a bad quarter, then you're gonna give up. But if you go into something that you know is going to be for the greater good of other people and you have a bad quarter, you keep on going because you know eventually it's a service or a product that's going to help make the world a better place. Well, it's interesting you say that because there have been two times that I thought about quitting podcasting and particularly this show. And in those moments, I took the time to think, to re-energize myself and ask myself important questions about okay, what is it that's making me feel this way? Why am I wanting to hang this up? And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that I really love 
podcasting. I really love having a forum to not, not just to speak. I know being a speaker is something that's really important to me, but it's connecting with people like you and hearing your story. And I mean, how amazing is it? You have this great company down in Texas. It's very local. I would never have met you if it wasn't for us meeting yeah. in that group and connecting and it, it's just amazing how much fulfillment I get from every guest and every conversation anytime I hit stop on a podcast and I reflect it just really energizes me oh, and, and mm-hmm. you I feel like you need to have feelings like that because for me it's not my my goal or at least one of my goals nominal goal at least is to at least make enough that I could quit my day job I don't have to make millions of dollars or you know even five hundred thousand dollars I I just need enough to live and to do what I love and I feel like that's what really matters. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's great. That's okay. And I don't want to offend anybody about, you know, yeah, make the money. That's great. Make the money. But don't let the money be your only reason that you're doing what you do. And you brought up another very good point. You know, there are days that you're like, oh, man, you know. But what keeps me going is the people that I reach, the people that I touch, um, the, the knowing that this service is something that is needed. And this days that I come home, like you, you know, I come home from work and I'm like, man, I'm drained. And I have two people that I need to talk to on the podcast recording. But it's so funny. I get to talking to them and it's like, oh, I learned something else, you know, or I met somebody or I was able to reach somebody else through our conversation. That's powerful to me. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I have just going back to money and how that doesn't really mean happiness. I, again, I've found that I, I almost need this type of interaction and to do this type of activity because it just makes me happy. It it fulfills me not only as a person, but fulfills me in the fact that people are listening and they're getting hopefully something from me and the guests. And it just fulfills me in a way that I don't think anything else does. And right. I, I think that's like one of the biggest reasons that I do what I do. It just, I need yeah. to, I need to do it. I just feel like yeah. I need to do it. Love it, yeah. And I like what you said too about the money. So when you asked about um, a job, so I start this business basically in September, 2019, but I really don't count that because between September and December of 2019, everybody was focused on Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, the holidays. 
hardly anybody wants they don't want to hear about all that <laughs> health care don't talk to me i'm trying to plan my family dinner so then uh january 2020 i went really really hard but i've always kept my job and i plan on keeping my job as a nurse i do a home health nursing for a company and i still plan on keeping it until when my business income supersedes my nursing income consistently for six months to one year, then I may consider stopping my nursing job. I probably will have to, but to me, that's my goal. I, I, it, it's a balance and I'm trying to explain it. It's a balance. So I make just enough because I can go back into the hospital and I can make some money, but I'm not happy in the hospital. I'm not fulfilled in the hospital. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm strangled in the hospital as an advocate, okay? Out here, I'm a real advocate because I can give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hospital systems and uh, insurance companies and rehabs, if you're a patient advocate in that company, you're a patient advocate for that company, okay? Because they're gonna limit you on what you can say and what you can't say, what resources you can provide and what resources you can't. Being an advocate out here in the real world, I can give it a good, bad, and ugly because I'm not constrained by anyone other than, you know, making sure I'm a reasonably prudent nurse, according to board of nurse examiners. So all that to say is that I love what I do as a nurse, but also I really love what I do as a patient advocate. And as long as those two can balance out, I'll keep them, but also let me keep in my J-O-B, it motivates me because I see stuff in my J-O-B that motivates me to increase my nurse advocacy business. That makes sense? It does. And actually, speaking of being a patient advocate and your J-O-B, I have to ask kind of the obvious, I guess we're kind of Still, I, I would say we're in the latter stages, hopefully, of the COVID era. And I gotta, I gotta ask, what was it like to be a patient advocate and a nurse, personally, during the COVID era? Great question. My life really didn't change because I do home health. My heart goes out to the nurses and the hospital staff, housekeeping, whoever that were in the trenches at the bedside. I'm just so filled with emotion for them. So being a home health nurse, what I do is I uh, treat immunocompromised patients who have, you know, they don't have an immune system. So we've always worn a mask in the home. So my patient load didn't decrease. It didn't really change for me. I just wore the mask longer, you know. So um, being a patient advocate, that changed a little bit because remember in um, March of 2020, that's when COVID hit. I had three clients. I lost all three. So I just basically went back to zero because nobody was, everybody was like, okay, do I go in the home? Do I not go in the home? You know, nobody's comfortable being face-to-face. My business mainly works. I have to, it can be done digitally, but it loses that personal touch because it's the difference between a virtual doctor's visit than being in person at a doctor's visit. 
um, is different than talking to your healthcare team in person than talking to your healthcare team virtually. It's different talking with a client and finding out what their goals are, what their needs are virtually than in person. So I really thrive on my personal touch and that personalization, not digital. And then I have several clients who don't have access to the internet. So I gladly take my computer and things to help them out with that. So um, COVID changed it in a good way for my business because I was able to sit back and say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna work the business this way. I'm gonna market a, a little bit differently than, than I was when before COVID hit. So now that we're hopefully coming out of COVID, I check the numbers every day. It certainly seems to be playing in that direction. What's next for your business? Oh my goodness, growth. Growth and education and this edu growth through education. So I feel I have a huge endeavor on me and I'm enjoying every minute of it, of educating people on how to be their own patient advocates, how to partner with their healthcare people. You know, how do you talk to your healthcare people? So I'm also a um, care partner project uh, patient safety speaker where we go and we educate the communities we serve on how do you talk to your doctors? How do you, what do you need to ask your doctor? What do you need to ask about lab values? Who do you need to ask about just different situations um, in your healthcare journey? Um, so I love, love, love doing that. So your nurse advocates is going to grow through education, empowerment, and helping people learn how to be their own advocate or search for an advocate that fits. Well, I certainly hope that you see the growth that you want to see because I think what you're doing is a really cool, really interesting thing. I personally have never heard of a healthcare advocacy company. So you know, that's really one of the many reasons I do what I do. And, uh, <laughs> I love I mean, it. Thank you. So, so great to learn. I mean, really, again, my goal with this is to just have as much variety and just learn. I love just learning and growing. And it's really just in this moment now making me realize that all the job jumping that I did before I got, got back to college, I, I think I should have started this show like 20 years ago, because I'm getting to experience all these things and I don't have to actually do them. So <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful. Um, if anyone else wants to learn more about patient advocacy, check out the Alliance of Healthcare Advocates. It's a great uh, uh, organization. There's advocates all over the United States. And is there any way that people can get in touch with you or follow your journey? Absolutely. Uh, I am on LinkedIn under Deidre Kindred. That's D-E-E-I-D-R-A. And I also have my website is www.yournurseadvocates.com. 
or you can go to my podcast, <laughs> which is on several platforms, Spotify mainly. Um, it is Health Chats Among Friends, where I bring other industry healthcare professionals and we chat about their services in your local communities. Fantastic. And I'm glad to see that you were able to get your podcast on Spotify. I've had a hard time getting mine on Spotify, which is uh, probably another story for another time. But I've, yeah, I don't know why. I've had no problem on all other platforms. It might be something I'm doing. I don't really know. This probably isn't the time to talk about it. But, <laughs> but I heard you say Spotify. I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. I. I am having trouble getting on there for some reason. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm working on that. I've found it easier to get on a lot of other platforms, but except for that one, the one that's one of the most popular in the world. But <laughs> yes, I, I definitely encourage everybody to listen to Health Chats Among Friends, which is your podcast that is on Spotify. Thank you, thank you. And Deidre, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Thank you for your patience with me as I was really crunching the minutes and the seconds getting home. It was okay. It seems like I kind of have a feel for when the traffic's going to be bad. Wednesday's like a hit or miss. So, right. yeah. yeah. So I, I, I had to take the toll roads. It's a long way. So, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. And I think what you have been doing, your journey, everything is just incredible. So, this was Deidre Kindred of Your Healthcare Nurse Advocates. And she also, again, has a podcast, Health Chats Among Friends. And one thing I don't normally do, I'll even take a second to say, you can find me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at, what is it? Is it Mark My Word 6? I believe... I'm going to have to waste our time and check real quick. <laughs> That's okay. You check. Yeah, because I oh, don't nice. have it completely memorized. Let me see what it even is. I, I do post regularly. All right. I was right. Mark my word <laughs> six. I didn't know if the six was there. I think I had to distinguish myself between other Mark My Words podcasts. So right, right. Mark My Word six and Instagram. We'd love to. Have you joined the community? You can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm always open to opening up my community and, you know, just talking about entrepreneurship, anything beyond that. I post pretty regularly. And, yeah, you can pretty much find me anywhere on social media. So with all that being said, I am Mark Schmidt. This is Mark My Words, which you can find on iTunes, not on Spotify. I'll have to fix that. Also have a also have a YouTube channel. I've marked my words. And you can find me on Audible. Mark my words. You can find me on Google as well. So with all that rambling, I am now gonna sign off. So Deidre, thank you for like the tenth time. 
This was Leisure Kindred. I am Mark Schmidt, and this was Mark by Words. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Bye for now. <laughs>